Hello and welcome to this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Chapin Hemingway, and I'm joined today only by Lee Carlo. Um, Jeremy Fisk is fighting the hurricane down in Louisiana, um, but that's okay. Um, we're gonna we're gonna press on. Uh, this week our film is Midsommar, directed by Ari Aster, um, and we reviewed his film last year, Hereditary, um, and so this will be an interesting discussion, Lee. I'm glad we could do it. Um, and there's no top five this week. Uh, we're just going to kind of have a couple of discussions surrounding Midsommar, and um, hopefully you enjoy it. I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. No, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity, and I decided Look, I to do it. I don't mind you going. I just wish you would have told me. That's all. Dude, she needs a therapist. You've been wanting out of this stupid relationship for, like, a year now. And don't forget about all of the beautiful Swedish women you'll meet in June. Okay, guys. That's not her again. Seriously? Babe, what's happening? Danny. I was so very sorry to hear about what happened. I'm sorry. I invited Danny to come to Sweden. You know what she's been going through? Christian says you've got this special week planned. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. Unbelievable. Welcome and happy midsummer. Skull! So, Lee, I, we are absent of Jeremy, and I'm sad about that, but I am really glad, I, I, ultimately, that it is you and I doing this podcast um, for a couple of reasons, but mostly um, I saw this film with a, a Get Your Film Fix podcast fan. Um, yeah, we we got to talk about this. You know, I, I feel like you and Jeremy aren't really doing your part on the outreach thing. I feel like I'm, uh, as we discussed <laughs> on the quick, quick fix, having to deal a lot directly with the fans. Well, um, I have no friends, so I don't even have like an outreach to do. Well, I'm not talking about friends. I'm talking about the fans. Anyway, so this particular fan, um, I don't know, won a charity auction or something, so got to see the movie with me. Um, <laughs> and as soon as it ended, uh, this person turned to me and said, I can't wait to hear what Lee says about this on the podcast. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. And I, and to be honest with you, I, I was feeling the exact same way. Um, and so I'm really excited that it is ultimately you and I doing this podcast. Um, but I want you to sort of put that aside for a second, your feelings. And you did kind of give away a little bit of your thoughts um, in the podcast, in the text leading up to the uh, this podcast, which is, of course, a cardinal rule you should never break. Well, no, um, I, I gave away my feelings on my fellow audience members. Mm. I think there was I a hate. comment. I think there was a comment <laughs> in there that you um, gave some. Well, maybe I'm wrong, so that'll be exciting. Okay. Um, but I'd like you to, to sort of put that aside, if you can, just for a second. Cause I, but I'm really interested to know what you have to think of it, obviously. And so do um, you know one of our many fans. Um, and uh, what I'd like to ask you first is... Um, <clears throat> I think going into this, um, so do, do you know what a, a cinema score is? Uh, I've heard the term, but no. Okay. So it's not the same as like a meta score. It's some, it's like the audience. Uh, yes. So basically uh, this company, approval. yeah, a company like polls people as that, like as they're coming out of the movie, like paid right, audience right. Yep, members. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and they give it like an A or a, a letter grade. Um, and as you'd expect, like most of the time, people are idiots and they love everything, and so it's it's very rare to get a low score. Um, I think like Mother is the only movie that ever got like an F, but um, until Midsommar, Midsommar got a C plus, <laughs> which is actually really really low. Um, most yeah. of the time, you're talking like most of the time. I think the there are there are usually A's and A minuses, occasionally B's, but C plus is pretty low. Um, and I think that's for a variety of reasons, and <clears throat> we will get into our thoughts on the movie, of course, but my thought going into it is is maybe that it's got a little bit to do with the subversion of the genre. And by that I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, I think anybody who had seen Hereditary was going to go into Midsommar and, and, and understand that they weren't in for like a... I don't know, a typical horror movie, like one of the Annabelle creation movies or something, you know, one of these like dime a dozen mm-hmm. horror films that come out. It's going to be something interesting. But um, I listened to an interview with Ari Aster and he said he described this movie as horror adjacent. So whereas Hereditary was a very traditional horror movie, but kind of very well done um, or, you know, 
we had different differing opinions on, on that, but you know, sort of done in a, a little bit of a different style. Midsommar is is much much different, and I'm wondering if one you think you know that has anything to do as I do with the low cinema score, but also you know, is there is there a, a, is that a useful um, practice in filmmaking? It, I think Ari Aster is a smart enough filmmaker that if he didn't deliberately you know almost mislead his audience, he had to know that. People were going to go into the, his film, watch it, and were going to be um, sort of surprised by what they discovered. It wasn't, it wasn't the film that necessarily was advertised, or it wasn't exactly a horror film. And I'm wondering, do you think that that's a function? Do you think that that can be a useful tool for a filmmaker? And do you think ultimately, um, how do you feel like you and, and audiences in general react to things like that? Well, I'm, I'm exceptionally well prepared to answer this question because this is very much along the lines of what I wanted to uh, ask you when we got to our secondary discussion on the horror genre in general. Um, But we can dive into it a little bit here, you know, especially specifically pertaining to Ari Aster because, you know, my thought here was that I, I personally, I think it's great because you can, with this horror adjacent genre, uh, you are allowed to add some substance and some thought and some auteurism to these horror movies, but you're still allowed to have all of the conventional horror things that draw an audience in. So I, I don't know how well it's working within the genre, and I think we should get that get that get to that later. But for Ari Aster specifically, with a movie like Hereditary and now with Midsommar, I think he's doing something that is smart for filmmakers to do now there is a flip side to that is it smart for studios to produce as i think another question because i think we've seen to a certain extent some movies showing some signs of life at the box office with this method um, but others are not and ari aster is sort of falling in the middle hereditary did very well it seems like midsommar is doing okay um but it is coming out you know a week after Spider-Man and in between, you know, uh, week some of, other I think the bigger movies. Week, week, week of Spider-Man came out yeah. at the same time. Uh, and after Spider-Man, of course, you know, the, the large majority of the world went into hibernation for nine months because they're not going to see a Marvel movie for a long time. Right. So they don't realize that theaters are still playing movies. So they, he has that to go up against. But um, for me, at least in, in my terms, like I like the fact that we have this. The horror genre is something that I haven't given a whole lot of thought to. It's not something that I particularly like. And this has nothing to say about my feelings towards Mid- Midsommar or even Hereditary, which people know my feelings on that movie. But I, I do like that this horror adjacent genre exists because I think it does allow the director to do some things with the movie in mind and not the audience in mind. Yeah. And I like that. <clears throat> I mean, I think, you know, we are a better target for that particular type of movie. Sure, than your average horror fan. Of course, yep. Um, Well, I will say, I I do want to give a little bit of a plot description, because I do think, um, in in trying to find people to go see this film with, um, there were very, very few who wanted to see it. I think people are very, very scared of these type of films, and they see the previews and are disturbed by it. Um, So this film is about... um, a three, I think, graduate students who I guess are studying like anthropology or they're like anthropologic yeah. um, graduate students who go and visit um, with their friend who grew up in the small village, uh, visit the small village um, in, I guess, rural northern um, Sweden. And, you know, uh, the main character is the girl, a girlfriend of one of the characters, um, one of the graduate students who's also a graduate student, but in psychology, I think. And um, ultimately, they are sort of surprised, to say the least, um, about the sort of rituals that happen during this um, ceremony that occurs once every 90 years in this village. Um, And I think we'll leave it at that. I'm sure we'll probably spoil more of it. But I just have a feeling there's going to be a lot of people who would like to listen to the podcast who maybe do not want to see Midsommar. So. Um, so I'll say that. Um, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I I agree with you. I I will say that. Um, I hope that my feelings about the film weren't tarnished by this. And I, I think I was able to sort of get over it. But 
you know, in answering my own question, I, I, I agree with you. I think it I think it makes for a much interesting movie when you don't have to necessarily when you can kind of use the genre expectations to your advantage and then subvert them um, when they are when it's appropriate. Like this is not and, an, and end up with a C plus cinema score. Right. And <laughs> as a result, yeah. well, you know, it looks like the movie didn't drop huge in its second weekend. So maybe that C plus wasn't a huge problem. Um, but right. um, ultimately, um, I think what's what's interesting uh, is that you know you can is that Ari Aster when he wrote this is it, you know it, it's it's not an unfamiliar um, plot structure that these you know uh, loud obnoxious American characters go to a, a play a foreign place and are right. you know subsequently baffled and perhaps uh, more so by what happens t- uh, to them in these circumstances but. Um, the the I I find I found myself sort of waiting for certain things to happen that didn't or happened later or happened not quite at the in the rhythm that you would expect from a film like this, um, and I think that really kept me on my toes. But it is sort of in the moment a little bit disorienting. Um, you know, you're 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 feeling like you certain things need to happen um and you expect them and they aren't happening in quite the same way as you would expect and so it, it's i would say that it's distracting but i think what i said was disorienting a little bit and so that's my thought about that yeah and i think uh, look as much as we appreciate what he's doing with this genre i mean it's okay for us to be just as duped as everybody else sure you know like like this movie wasn't particularly scary you know it had it was disturbing which i think a lot of people are starting to realize and come around on and advertise it as such right but you know we looked at this movie coming on the uh uh, only really a year after hereditary which still sort of falls into the same horror adjacent genre but i think was definitely more of a horror movie than this was so i think you know look we're going into this expecting that those points were going to be hit like a horror movie hits and the horror genre in general, you go in ready for those. You guard yourself for those. It's, I think, just natural, even if you do it subconsciously, to prevent yourself from, you know, shitting your pants. I think that's just like a basic human <laughs> thing. <laughs> like, sure. you know, you're guarded so you don't, you know, piss yourself, which is fine. And then when this movie turns out to be something else, it can leave you disoriented. So I think that's totally normal. And that, and I I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like, that, that's completely separate from how you feel about what this genre is becoming or what Ari Aster is doing within the genre. I guess it was hard because knowing I was going to see it for the podcast, you know, you, you want to be able to analyze the film for what it is, not for what you expect it to be. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's tough. Like it, it was tough to sort of back up from that, but okay. So getting more into the film, um, you were not, uh, uh, between Jeremy and I and yourself, we're probably the least a fan of Hereditary. I think that ultimately we came to the conclusion that we w- we weren't in love with the film, but we really recognized um, Astor's talent, for lack of a better word. Uh, that was his first film. Um, he's about actually he's about our age. He's a couple of years younger than we are. But are we sure? Because um, it has they don't seem to be sure. Have you noticed that there's like two ages? For yeah, him I have posted noticed everywhere. That. But um, like, is he from Cuba? Like we don't, we don't, right, we don't know, know how old he really know. is. Can't we just can somebody a, just ask the guy? Jeez, it's a stray dog. <laughs> um. So yeah, inter- so I, I guess what I what I would like to what I'm wondering is um you know we saw these flares of of a very creative and uh, promising filmmaker in hereditary i think ultimately that film for you especially was disappointing um for me um kind of kind of the same thing i i i wasn't quite as disappointed as you were but i I know jeremy and i had a little bit more um appreciation for it than you did um so it's exciting that we get to review his his second film so quickly after the first film i'm really glad that he was able to make this movie so quickly after Hereditary, that's kind of rare among um, young filmmakers, especially these days. They don't often get to work that much. So it's great for us um, in, in analyzing his career. But did, how did you feel this film, you know, kind of – did what, did he did he get any better? Um, you know, did you see yeah. flares of that? Well, I'm glad you, you brought up Hereditary again and just re- reminded 
our audience of how I felt about that movie and, and people should go back and listen. But just quickly, like I, I got very, very frustrated with how, where that movie went. I mean, right. it took a huge shift into the absolutely absurd and it didn't feel earned. It didn't feel like the pieces were in place throughout the movie, taking the steps to get to that conclusion. And that was really aggravating because there was a really good filmmaker on display in that movie. And I, I talked a lot on that podcast about the scene where the little girl gets decapitated. I right. mean, that the, the tension in that scene was so good. And it was still to, you know, all, all the way through last year was one of the best scenes that I saw. So I went into this movie, you know, really hoping to see a lot of the same thing. And, and I left this movie, I would say, much more satisfied than I left Hereditary. And I think that is because he is improving on his storytelling. And this is the thing. Like, I don't think that his storytelling is quite on par with his filmmaking abilities, at least not yet. Like, this movie is very, very well made. Again, he he is a great filmmaker. He knows how to use his camera. Oh, yeah. He knows, he knows like, I, I, I definitely think he knows how to direct actors to a certain extent. I think he did a better job here than in Hereditary, but the acting is another conversation I want to have. There's a lot of things about what he does that I like a lot. And here, his story pacing was better. He took steps to his conclusion better. But I still left kind of scratching my head, and I've I've put the pieces together over the course of the last week. Like So it's definitely better. And so, yes, he's improving, which I guess is what I was hoping to see when I went into this movie. But... In short, I left this movie totally satisfied. Like, I was really happy with what I saw here. And unlike you, I think it was a lot more of what I expected. You know, I think I was prepared for, you know, a fucked up ending to be coming. Right. And I also was sort of expecting it to be less earned than it was. And while it was a bit of a shift and a little bit of a leap when we get to the third act of this movie, I do still think it was within the context of the story that was being told. So I was happy with that. Um, so yeah, I mean, in short, I was satisfied with this movie. Did I love it? Will I see it again? Uh, no, and actually probably yes. No, I didn't love it, but yes, I think I would see it again to really kind of see if those pieces fit. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I think I'm a little less convinced than you, but that doesn't mean that I, I, uh, I didn't like it any less. I, I, I think, I think what was really magical about the film is 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 how little you sort of knew about what was going to happen. Um, you've got all these moments that occur throughout the film, and I think what um, one thing we've talked about in the past with other films, and I think probably came up with Hereditary as well, but is like a, a feeling of mood. And he really gets that mood across in this in this movie. And you're right, like it's not necessarily scary. Like um, there are there are a couple moments where. Um, some of some of the characters we we've grown to know um, are, are attacked, for lack of a better word. But for the most part, um, thing the, the fate of our characters happen unfold in a very unique way, um, and uh, I, I, that was always surprising. I just think that that feeling of always sort of being on your toes, not knowing what was happening. I think a lot of that has to do with what you mentioned, like the camera work. You know, you'd have these like longer takes that would. Um, you know they did, they didn't really draw attention to themselves um, in some of the, some of the ways that we've talked about in the past, but they they are just slower. Everything happens just a little bit sl- more slowly than we're used to, um, and and they things kind of linger in a weird way, and you just get the sense of uneasiness that you don't really know what's going to happen, and it really sort of puts you in the shoes of of these students. Yeah, he does. He does a really good job. The cinematographer of this movie is the same on Hereditary, um, Pavel Pogorezki or, or Lesky or something. I don't know how you say his last name. But um, I was thinking after this movie, I'm like, I, I, I wonder how I felt about the cinematography in Hereditary. It turns out I re-listened to the podcast. We did talk about it a little bit and turned out we liked it, but clearly didn't leave an impression. This one left an impression, and I was, I was left thinking about um, our top five long takes that we did and the discussion right. we had uh, – with or surrounding that and we're you know we're talking about the car scene and children of men we're talking about all these showy long takes that are so cool and so well choreographed and like and it's amazing and here this is the most non-showy use of the long take yeah and i thought it was so effective to like you said build that tension and he does some other stuff too he, he did a lot of the stuff with the drug trips and things kind of warping and moving which made me fucking sick and it always does but that's on me 
Um, but I found it effective, and I found his discipline with it to be very good and very um, uh, very useful f- with for his storytelling to put you where these filmmakers are. I, I I didn't like the story aspect of the drugs, the mushrooms, and the drinks, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I felt mm-hmm. like that was I felt like that was weird. Like uh, you know, you have this community that. Uh, is insistent through you know certain scenes of exposition that I thought was were done well, but you know kind of explaining be like, look, this is just our culture. This is how we do things. Like this isn't anything to be afraid of. So they seemed like you know good people, just weird people. Right. But then at the same time, they're drugging everybody, and like they clearly have a mission. And then when we get to the end, like it uh, it seems that Pele, who is their Swedish friend from college brought them there for a pretty dark and specific reason. Right. Um, So maybe they're not good people. So I had an issue with that. But the interesting thing is, like I said, his filmmaking and his storytelling aren't on par. But his storytelling through his filmmaking is spot on. He knows how to do that. He knows how to use the camera to tell the story and to, you know, tell you how to feel. He just doesn't have the other part down. And it's, you know, a lot of it has to do with getting from you know, A to B to C and, you know, and the finale, but also just like that, those drug pieces, like how, uh, who are these characters? What is, has he decided what he wants to do with these characters? Does he really know? Are they good people? Are they bad people? Are they somewhere in the middle or are they just weird and fucked up and we're not supposed to ever figure it out? Do you mean the townspeople? The town people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. That leads me to another question I have for you is, I mean, what do you think is his sort of main thrust on this film? Like what, what do you think he, I mean, what, uh, maybe what what is he trying to say is a little broad, but like what what, what do you think his interest is in in this movie? Uh, well, he I, I imagine I listened to the same interview as you did. He talks about this as a as a breakup story, right? Um, and I thought that was interesting because Hereditary is you know the family story. It's the story of that family and the and grief and kind and of e- yeah right. So. And all of the, you know, horror or horror-adjacent stuff that's going on is the setting for that breakup. And I think that's, okay, that's a unique approach. That's fine. Go for it. I think that's a good idea. Like, take a, take a conventional story, stick it into a different genre, and, and, you might, and you've got something to work with. But are you asking why, why go to this little village in Sweden? Um, I think he has an interest in the anthropological piece of that that his characters do. I sure. Think, I think... And I think there's something interesting about that. Look, I I went I, like I said, I, I I was asking, are these good people? Are these you know who is are, you know what's going on here? Like, so I think there is some interesting pieces of that too. How much does he really focus on that though? Like he touches on it, but it doesn't feel like that's the through line. It doesn't feel like that's the theme of his movie. Like yeah, anthropology doesn't feel like the theme of the movie. It's not explored really. It's yeah. just sort of there. And it's, it's just kind of shown. And on occasion, yeah. like, they explain a couple things. Like, oh, those people jumping off the cliff uh, are doing they – are, they are happy to do it. And I will be too when I when it's my turn. Right. And that's which another is, scene that's I'd like to discuss. actually a, a real ritual, which is right. a, little, a little disturbing. Well, I guess, uh, you know, you, you went back to the – you mentioned the fate of, of the characters in the film and, and how that sort of r- relates to everything. But, I mean, I, I, I would I – would, uh, you know, uh, direct your attention to the fate of Florence Pugh's character. Um, she plays Danny. Um, and what we failed to mention at the beginning was that her, the, the, really the first, I don't know, half hour of the film, if not more. Before the credits even, yeah. Yeah, feels um, quite, quite like Hereditary in terms of sort of the mise-en-scene and the way the, the way it's filmed. It's dark. Um, but we are witness to a very kind of serious tragedy of of her family um her sister clearly has some emotional psychological trouble uh lives at home um and we come to discover very quickly into the film uh that this this um her sister has killed herself and her parents um in a very kind of (laughs) complicated but (laughs) complicated way um and uh so basically, you just have to admire the effort. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, you know, it, it just it just changes the way this this film evolves. It's it's not you know we're not going in we're not go- coming to Sweden 
um, with the same excitement um, as these, you know, interested anthropological graduate students, where we are going under the guise, uh, under the with the understanding that Danny has experienced this tragedy, which 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 seems to be like a, a culmination of a, of a pretty awful period in her life um, with this these issues with her sister, um, and it. We also realized that, as you mentioned about the breakup, that that she that her boyfriend has been having kind of second thoughts about their relationship leading up to that tragedy. Like, um, I guess she's not the most uh, fun sounds, girlfriend. Sounds needy, yeah. She's and, uh, you know a little needy, um, and uh, so that that just that totally colors the the. The, the film, of course, because I mean, there's a reason we're spending half an hour or or more in, in telling this story that ultimately has little to do with the the town. But Florence Pugh's character, Danny, of course, is is the only one who survives out of the out of the group, and she does so in kind of um, regal fashion. She's crowned the May Queen um, of the sort of the, the, the of the festival, and despite being, I, I think, drugged at the end there, or or maybe not, or maybe she's just experiencing. But she's she, she basically becomes yeah, a because she won a dance endurance contest. Yeah, because she was able. Seems to, so simple for all this cultish stuff going on. Right, right. Like, oh, just be the last one standing. Yeah, after taking some drugs. Yeah, um, and so, uh, but she's ultimately the one who survives. And you know, you mentioned um, Pele. I think Pele's. You're right. Did lure his friends here um, under false pretenses, to say the least. But I do think that he was excited for Danny to go for the reasons that I don't think he lied to her when he told her that. I mean, he basically implied that there would be some sort of healing properties to visiting his town and experiencing this kind of renewal festival, whatever you want to call this midsummer festival. Um, and I mean, it it ultimately happens right like she is she sort of wins in a, in a, in a strange way yeah i think that the her story and her um progression is certainly ripe for more discussion um i think it's it's interesting um ultimately i think you know he uh pele explains that he you know, lost his family in a fire, and but he was okay because he had a family. Essentially, this this community, and and I think we are led to believe at the end that um, Danny is uh, realizing a, a similar fate. Um, left a little bit open for interpretation, but I do think that that's where the movie suggests her life is going. I think she's staying there, basically. Hmm. Um, but she never like the interesting. I get you see some smiles on her face while she's you know dancing around in that competition but after that she like is not happy at all like she has this like horrible last half hour of the movie so it seems strange that she would stay like that's why I think it's it's interesting and I do think that the movie intends you to kind of wonder what her future holds Um, but again this comes back to my the storytelling what pieces have we seen throughout that bring us there and it's gotten better because like I said Pele has this conversation about his family dying and then this is his community we see the scenes at the beginning of her family dying so his pieces are in place there were no pieces in place to explain the end of hereditary and that was my biggest frustration here it's gotten better but there's still a lot of gaps mm. um, yes I think you're right uh, yeah and I, I think that speaks to sort of what I alluded to in my answer to the question I asked you is that you know, I was, I was kind of one. I was kind of feeling, you know, in, in the third act of the film, like where where is this going? Like, what what is he trying to say? What do we, you know? Asking myself all these questions because I, it was hard. It was hard to figure that out. I think it was hard to sort of um, understand exactly. And I think that, and I and I don't think that's just you know, sort of Astor being clever as a director. I I, I think he was. I think there were some some holes here that I think just not necessarily in the plot, you know, it ultimately doesn't matter, but there you know, you've, you 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 um there were a couple of moments where uh ja- uh Christian played by Jack Renner and um Josh were they they had these very strange the the the, the film kind of 
sort of paused on them as they were experiencing things that I wasn't quite sure I understood. Um, do you, do you remember? Do you know what I'm talking uh, about? Like, give me an example. So so Josh like Josh is in the the, the, the black guy yep. who got who eventually was killed for you know violating the what was what he was you know asked not to take any pictures, but he was clearly. Um, explained something by the elders when they take him into the temple where they keep their the, the writings and the teachings of the village and he's just very confused and like he's got this look on his face where they're sitting at the dinner table a lot, a lot happens at that dinner table where you kind of linger on these characters Jack and Christian or Josh and Christian and and they're kind of like confused and and and, and I was sort of questioning like I was I was a little confused as to what they were confused about. Um, and what was driving them and sort of what what um, what their emotional arc was at the time. Um, I think you, you were very clear w- understanding Danny's arc. Um, but I, I was just I, I didn't quite know, you know, they wanted to know more about the town, but they were clearly confused or maybe even worried about certain things. But I wasn't sure what that stuff was. And, and then it, they're, you know, kind of dispatched and it's not really an issue anymore. Yeah, I think that the acting had a lot to do with that. Um, William Jackson Harper plays Josh. Uh, I thought he was pretty good, but yeah, he had some moments where you were wondering what was going on. But Jack Rayner, who plays Christian, is the is the better example. Like he had, he was okay, but he totally like couldn't handle the I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to react to this emotion, and. I think that left you scratching your head a little bit because he didn't know what he was trying to portray. So how could you know what he was trying to portray? Right. And and I think that that uh, was an was an acting piece. And I, I did have some issue with the acting. I mean, Will Poulter. I don't know. Like I I cannot stand this kid. I don't know what the attraction is to him. He's been horribly miscast in a number of movies, particularly in Detroit. Um, here, I actually thought like this was probably the right guy to cast here. But the character was so one-dimensional. I mean, talk about taking a horror convention and just totally <laughs> uh, copy and pasting it. Like this is the, you know, wisecracking, you know, sex-crazed uh, American that gets killed first. Yeah. And you know, he got the laughs out of the audience and and so on and so forth. So yeah, I guess he did a good job. But it was so one-dimensional, it bothered me. Um, Felt like a now, lot of his lines were either off screen or ADR'd, you know, I don't yeah, it was exactly, one of those yeah. performances where yep. Now, Florence Pugh on the other hand, I have to say like, uh, did you see Fighting with the Family or Fighting mm. for the Family? Fighting with my family? Whatever it's called, yeah. No, I did not. Um, so I quite liked her in that. Thought she was excellent. Um, the movie was okay. Uh, here she's convinced me I think we're looking at the the next one for uh, an upcoming actress. Like I thought she was incredibly good in this movie and so natural like it just felt like such a natural performance um didn't feel like a trained actor you know it just and she was doing an accent this whole movie she's british right um and actually i've you know i've heard that i haven't even seen a lot of the stuff that she's been in um little drummer boy supposedly she's fantastic in um what are some other other credit lady Macbeth is another one and she was Um, in that um chris pine uh Outlaw King, yeah, which I didn't see. Um, And she's going to be in Little Women, Greta Gerwig's Little Women, coming up at the end of the year. So, I I mean, I'm really looking forward to everything she's doing. I thought she was fantastic. And I think the reason you could follow her so well is because she handled this so well. Like, you could understand her emotions. She knew when to scream. She knew when to just kind of relax. You know, there was this one little scene, and I know I always seem to bring up these, like, inconsequential scenes but she goes to ask Josh for some sleeping pills and he's on his headphones and she just like apologizes for interrupting him. Yeah. And it just felt so natural. I'm like, this, this woman has got it. Like this, she is carrying this movie and look, I have to say I probably left this movie satisfied. Uh, an additional reason had to have been because of her performance. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I, th- I thought, I thought she was, um, I th- she has a hypnotic and a a, a, a magnetic presence, um, and not just because she's very attractive, but there, I mean, that helps. She just draws you in in a very um, visceral way. Yeah. Uh, I, I and it's not something I. I mean, I saw her in Outlaw King, and I I thought she was she was good in that, but it wasn't something that um, she was she was not given the sort of the screen time she deserved right. in that film. Um. 
but yeah, especially if you if you think about I, I you know this character was I I don't know about deliberately, and you know we might want to talk about this um, when we discuss this a little bit further, but I, she was. She wasn't exactly like, especially coming from a, a heterosexual male perspective. Like, y- you do understand a little bit why she might be a drag as a girlfriend, despite having like yeah. a really tragic life. Um, you know, she's she's just she's just a little she's she's experiencing trauma and tragedy, and you feel it in her, and um, you feel that there's something wrong with her. And she doesn't like. She has some moments where she isn't the most like appealing person just to like be around. Like sometimes you like when she's crying out, you kind of want to get away from her. But I think that's still very powerful. But then you've got this allure where you're still being brought in, you know, brought into her, and, and like the camera just like lingers on her in a way that works so well. She's so um, sort of just magnetic to the camera. I wonder if that's a intentional choice, and if it is, then it's a really good one because, look, like you, this is he's described this as a breakup story, and to prevent Christian from just being a dickhead, which he kind of is anyway, there's got to be a reason that he wants to break up with Danny, and maybe her being, you know, for lack of a term, a bit of a drag, is a good way to do that. But it also, like, like you said, like her kind of. Um, her look and like the way that he uses the camera with her, like kind of fits her into this community really well. So at the same time he is showing her at a place that maybe is the right place for her. So like I said, if that was all intentionally done, then that's actually some really smart subtext to this whole story. Like, look, he's, he makes a girl that, you know, by American standards kind of sucks as a girlfriend, but by this small Northern Sweden community standards fits right in. And I would say if that's the case, he nailed it. Wait, wait, what do you what do you mean? How does she fit? I don't know that she fits right in. It's just well, what do you, but I, I think maybe by the way that he portrays her within that, like I don't know that her personality fits right in. I mean, it wouldn't totally make sense that she'd just get there and be like, oh yeah, this is for me. I mean, that totally wouldn't happen. Um, we kind of have surrogates for that with the uh, the British couple that also comes and like voices exactly what we should be thinking like this is absurd i'm leaving i don't care if this is your ritual right um so yeah she's going to react similarly to that she even says to christian like hey how are you feeling about what we just saw and he gives some half-assed line about like oh i'm trying to be open-minded but so in in that sense no of course she doesn't fit right in but like like you said like kind of her presence her the way he films her the way you know Yes, granted, she's drugged, but the way she's smiling and sort of enjoying this communal dance competition, I think, speaks to her, you know, subconsciously open-mindedness. Hmm. You know, you know, like I, and I think the end of this movie is is proof of that. Like, look, he, she smiles at the end of this movie, kind of subtly, and it's a little kind of uh, evil smile, but. It, she, it kind yeah. it she smiles at the fate of, of, of Christian. Of Christian, yeah. Which suggests that she's leaving this other life behind her. She's ridding herself of of this, you know, problem that she had in her life, which was her relationship. And now she's here in this community to start anew. I don't know. I feel like there is something there. I think we're kind of on to something. And look, I, and if we are, in fact, then I want to give Aster a lot of credit for that because... You know, he did put the pieces in place for that. You do see her kind of riddled with this, like, one thing after another in her life just being horrible. Like, her entire family her entire family dies. Uh, she is in a relationship that is not really all that um, loving and fulfilling. And uh, I think she wants out of all that, whether she realizes it or not. And this happened to be the way out. Hmm. Okay. Um, I do have a question that it seems small, but I think kind of leads to another piece of what Ariaster does. Um, why the gore, specifically in the scene when they jump off the cliff? Why do you feel like we needed to have these close-ups of faces just crushed? Um, what was that doing for the movie? That's a good question. I, I do, I do, I do think it had some function. I don't think it was completely um, pointless. Shock value, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it is shocking, but in in this story where you've got 
um, like, like like we've been saying this entire time, where th- where things are a little bit um, uh, subverting the genre a little bit, not you know, kind of subverting your expectations. Um, that I think he uses those in sort of the best way possible um, to just show you that there are real consequences to this, that these are horrible horrible right. things happening um you know particularly when uh the so the part of the ritual of this ceremony and of the village in general that we learn is that um that elders are sort of they they sort of choose to die at a certain age to sort of um you know kind of complete the cycle of of their you know life in the village and thus so when they reach a certain age I think it's like 74 you know there is this ritual for how they you know killed themselves essentially they jump off of a high cliff um, which is actually I suppose I guess actually a real ceremony I don't know that it still happens but it certainly did in the past um, and you you know it's a very graphic depiction of of what happens when you know, people jump from 80 feet onto rocks. And then one of the guys, one of the old men jumps and doesn't jump the right way. I don't yeah, know what he was, was thinking. When yeah, he, I was thinking, like, why yeah, Why do it that way? <laughs> why do it that way? So he lands on his legs and it's horrible. Um, and, I mean, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. I, one, I think it's like, you know, it's reminding people that we aren't just studying anthropology. We are. This is a horror movie, ultimately. That was my takeaway. Like he's putting the horror genre back into his subversion here. And you know, when you got that and you know, you got the like reactions from the audience, which the thing that drives me most about seeing horror movies is that you get laughs when you shouldn't be getting laughs cuz people don't know how else to react and it drives me crazy. You get those uncomfortable laughs with, uh-huh. when when they're smashing this guy's face with a hammer. And I'm like, this is weird. This is this is that, taking that away is, from the that movie. Is, that is weird. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I just, and, and the same, you know, we get a little bit more of it at the end, not quite as close up in graphic, but a little bit of our, um, the, uh, remnants of our main characters, I guess, uh, we see them, uh, yeah. spread out, we see their skin, I guess, and mm-hmm. anyway, like, I just find those scenes, like, like I said, I feel like that's him putting the horror genre back in, which I don't like, I don't want that, I like that he has subverted it, and that he's in the adjacent genre. So I don't need those specific pieces. And look, the person jumps off the cliff face first on a rock. I don't then need the close-up of their face. I know what happened. I'm not an idiot. Um, And also, we watched that from Danny's perspective. And then we watched it from the camera's perspective. And I don't like that type of jumping around. Like, I want to see... And that doesn't mean we can't ever cut to close-ups, obviously. But I I do think there's something to be said for, you know... seeing something from a distance and reacting to it from a distance and being with the character in that scenario. And I feel like that would have worked better than going to this close-up and then having them walk up and in slow motion throw us, like three people throw a sledgehammer at this guy's face. Like, that just all seemed excessive. Gotta unlock my iPhone first. Before you throw somebody off the cliff? It just said open and throw a sledgehammer on the face. Apparently Siri thought I was asking how to do that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Um, Please see the film Midsommar. Honestly, I I didn't really have a a problem with it. Um, I mean, I might like gore a little bit more than you, I guess, but um, I I thought like, it, yeah, I thought it was a nice juxtaposition to the rather kind of clean, beautiful images that are yeah, that's throughout that's the rest too. of the film. Like, I mean, the place is lot, beautiful. It's picturesque. Yeah, yeah. A lot is made of the fact that you know the kind of the, the buzz around the film was you know how, how do you make a movie scary if it's all in the light and. I think that was overplayed, given that you know we 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 do experience a lot of moments in the dark in the film, but also the disturbing nature of the film had nothing to do with light or dark. It was yeah, I didn't even really notice it. Like they talk about it all the time in the movie. Like I can't sleep; it's still light out. But like it had no impact on the movie for me in terms of whether it was scary or not. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I just think it's a remind. It was. It's almost like. Showing you, you know, seeing the insides of this guy's head are, um, and it was, you know, it, it it felt almost kind of, I mean, you know, whereas 
you've got this sense that we're maybe looking at this at this film from an anthropological point of view. You're almost like looking into their bodies from like a biological point of view. You know, it's like God. Right. Just what what happens when you're when these bodies open up after they've been thrown from a. But uh, anyways, what did, so were you missing the anthropological study of this? Did you feel like that would have? I mean, it would have been a different movie if it was more focused on like studying this cult. But I feel like that's that stuff is an interesting story to tell and could have been. Uh, inserted a little bit more significantly into this movie. Yeah. Um, you know, they're studying it. They're writing thesis on a thesis thesis on, you know, the anthropologic anthropological practices of this community. And we see it and a little bits are explained, but it's just like, it's just that it's just little bits. Like we, then we just keep going back then to, you know, everybody sitting at dinner and them talking about, what happened? Where did so-and-so go? Where did so-and-so go? And like, I just feel like we never really got a deep dive into this community. And I think that that could have made a difference in, I don't know, in Danny's journey. I, I think it's there. It's all, all the pieces are there. It's just maybe, I don't know. It's a, a, almost too commercial. Like maybe make this <laughs> a little bit more, uh, you know, detailed in the boring aspects of it to sound who the hell would go see that movie. But I just think some of that stuff would have been interesting, at least for me. Yeah. The, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm reading the, I read the Wikipedia article for this and I, in the interview I listened to, there was, I guess quite a bit of the film, um, cut out and it sounds like it was that, that stuff. Um, but yes, I mean, you, the film doesn't seem to be particularly interested in, um, Exploring the village, as as you said, the village just kind of exists, and and it's there to sort of um, facilitate this story. We're not really it's told not about them. Yeah. You know, it's not about them. Um, it's you know, they're more um, a tool than really uh, something to explore. Um, but I have to say, I, I don't know that I was terribly interested. I mean, I guess I'm I'm I wonder a little bit if you know there is a reality to this like does this really exist you know how much of these rituals are actually real um you know there i I assume there are not places that exist like this at least in scandinavia um but i I could be wrong um and and but i i wasn't you know what i found interesting about the village was that they they seem very in every other way but the way they live very sort of modern you know in touch people they speak english most of them um, you know, they kind of, they don't necessarily dress the way, but they, it, you know, it almost feels like they're dressing up a little bit, mm-hmm. um, for the ceremony. I don't know. Um, so I, I guess I, I did not find myself kind of feeling like, um, boy, I wish I could know more about this village. The, what I think is interesting, like there was a touch of, of a touch of this here. And I know we, we've talked in uh, amongst our, each other about maybe doing a podcast on the, on the Chernobyl series. Um, but all three of us, you, me, and Jeremy, watched that series. And now, if we had them, our like library book waiting lists are like Voices from Chernobyl, Midnight in Chernobyl, K- History of the KGB, History of the USSR. Like everything involved in that, we are now interested in and want to hear more about. And there was a touch of that here. Right. I, I saw this like culture that got me curious, but not to that extent. So I wish the movie had more to like really reel me in and make me want to like learn more about this culture. And I love it when movies do that. I say it mostly about documentaries. If a documentary, if I finish a documentary and then I want to read every book that ever existed on that topic, then it was a success. And I guess it, it, it clearly, um, you know, uh, applies to, to, well, at least, um, uh, like, a uh, retelling of it, like Chernobyl is. And I think it can apply to fiction too, because you're basing it on a real, culture to a certain extent and i just wish there was a little bit more of it there it was there enough to make me miss it sure i mean i i i agree with you for the most part i mean i think i don't want to get too much into chernobyl because we are going to talk about it um but uh i think what what i loved about that series was that you you learn about a culture you learn about soviet russia especially in the sort of the the, the fleeting moments of soviet russia um you know, uh, just very indirectly through this very through that interesting, event, yep. yeah, through that event. 
Um, and so you you aren't really in, in Midsommar, You aren't really. Um, I don't know. I, I, you're right. I did not. I did not feel that same way. It, it's more like you feel as if the the village is just there to scare the shit out of you. Really. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and again. And I think. And I think that's a similar. I don't want to call it a problem. It's a similar issue as hereditary. Like there were things that, that I, I left hereditary saying, and and I've come to learn more about Ari Aster and I, I think he's improving with Midsommar, but I left hereditary saying, this is another rookie director trying to make his name in the horror genre. Mm. And when you do that, you fall back on the horror conventions and those aren't good for me. Those aren't, those don't work. And, and we're going to get into the horror genre a little bit more in a minute. And I just think Midsommar doesn't do that to the extent that Hereditary does. But I think there is a better movie in exploring that community and putting your characters through it than trying to make a scary community and telling this other story about your characters. Yeah, I, I will say I, I do want to give him credit, though, because I think it's very easy to direct a sort of to use to, you know, to, to sort of take your skills as a as a young director which you're right. I think with Aster, they are more visual than storytelling. You know, we, mm-hmm. we reacted yep. very strongly to a lot of the visuals in Hereditary um, in a way that, you know, we weren't so responsive to the storytelling. Um, and, and I think for a lot of young directors that that's common and, you know, they're given a script by um, one of these, you know, fledgling studios who, um, you know, then make Annabelle Creation or one of those like, you know, sh- low budget horror films that, that do really, really well. Um, and then, you know, a lot of those people go on to like direct, you know, their second or third films are, you know, Marvel movies or, you know, fairly big budget films. And so they lead to the success. So I I do admire Ari Aster for making his movies. They may not be quite where they, we want them to be yet, but he's not, he's not, um, and I think his next movies are going to be something that he's written as well. And somehow, despite like, I mean, uh, success that I don't know is quite, worthy of that kind of freedom i still think you know he i think he must be working hard to sort of maintain his authorship over this stuff and i think that's great because i think he probably could have after hereditary very easily been you know given given a a fairly lucrative series to direct and i'm glad that he didn't yeah so this gets us into the the horror genre and we and you your opening question was a little bit about what I wanted to talk about but I'd like to expand a little bit into some more filmmakers beyond just Ari Aster. Um I you know obviously the horror genre is is very well known for directors that have made their name in in, in the horror genre, you know, the Wes Craven, Sam Raimi, George Romero's on and on. I mean John Carpenter even to a certain extent. Um and you know, regardless of what you think about those directors and their movies, I mean, I've never been a huge fan of, you know, some of those movies, but they have been the big influences on the horror genre. Um, you know, the Evil Dead movies, for example, are, are the biggest influence on on every young filmmaker that wants to make a low-budget horror movie, and, and they consider that, you know, it's a low-risk, high-reward type of movie that you can make. They don't cost a lot of money, and, you know, people like to see them. So, you know, those. Th- it, this is not new to have directors uh, synonymous with a, a genre, with yeah. especially the horror genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and those movies, still, you know, the zombie movie, the demon movie, Leatherface movie, the cannibalistic killers that come knocking on your door, whatever, those dominate the genre for sure. And sometimes they're good, but most of the time they suck. And they still seem to do well. But. Now, among Ari Aster, I think we're getting more and more directors who are kind of doing that that horror-adjacent type of thing. Um, they're like, I, I, I wrote down there the horror new wave filmmakers. I think we should coin that here on Get Your Film Fix. Mm. Um, but Ari Aster, of course, with Hereditary and Midsommar. Jordan Peele with Get Out in 2017. Yeah, and, and this year's Us. Um, and and he's, a per, he's an example of both critical success and commercial success and that's not always the case a couple other filmmakers that i wrote down david robert mitchell did it follows in 2014 and then he did under the silver lake this year which didn't get his highest score but i actually watched recently and quite liked uh and jennifer kent did the babadook and now she's got the nightingale coming out this week so i think all of these filmmakers and they're all relatively within like a 10-year age span of each other Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
are all kind of doing the same thing, I think, here. Um, this horror adjacent, the horror new wave. And I don't know, I, like we said, like I answered your question, I think it's great that this exists, but does it have lasting power? Like, are, are, you know, are we going to get tired of these movies being just good enough? And, or I would say just above what we're used to from the horror genre, but not really getting there. And, you know, nobody else cares. The, the regular horror audience doesn't care enough to go see them anymore. So, you know, they're going to they're gonna wise up to the Midsommars and skip it and go see The Purge 6. Well, so, certainly more people see that film, right? Well, of course. So, you know, I think, like I said, like there's a, there's a value in this, this style. There's, it, you can do all the things that you want to do as an auteur, but you still can draw the horror audience, which is massive. But is that going to dry up? Do you, oh, you have okay. You did say David Robert Mitchell. Yeah. Um. um well, look, uh, I'll take it. Is my answer to that? I mean, I. Me too. I, I don't. You know, I think you look back historically at at, at periods in, in film where we were, or where cinephiles were less than excited about what Hollywood is making, and we're in this. Um, we're in this very sort of comic book centered. I, I'm just looking at this link right now. Florence Pugh is evidently joining the Black Widow movie. I although saw that too. Yeah, I don't know if that's the case anymore. Um, you know where um we're sort of dominated by comic books specifically, but you know genre uh, sort of you know these remakes of and sequels to to you know sort of. Uh, just a lack of originality if if it's horror films where people can directors can make a name for themselves and be auteurs then fine i mean it's not my preference i i would love to see as you know i'd love to see you know people making michael mann type style movies really like the crime kind of films um but those are more expensive um you know, they're they, all on TV now. Yeah, they're all on TV. There's a different genre for them. So, so fine. I mean, if 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 directors are making a name for themselves and being original, I I do think horror is a great place to demonstrate directing talents. I mean, you know, you you it's it's really a, a genre that depends a lot on you know how you move the camera and your use of sound effects and your use of style and yeah. um, those are all incredibly important things in making horror films. At the, I mean, at the end of the day, yes, they they may not have quite the sort of dramatic value that that we see in our more our, some of our favorite films, but. I mean, at least it's still happening, right? I, I think you kind of have to take what you can get at this point. I think it's interesting. You know, we, like you said, like it's not our preference, and I, I've never been a big fan of the horror genre. I mean, look at what we've discussed since we started doing the podcast again. Hereditary, Midsommar, obviously. We did The Quiet Place. Um, are there any others? I mean, I feel like we've, <laughs> anytime we, did we finally, we did Us, of course, yeah. We And we talked about Get Out some on our, our first one back. So anytime it seems like we get a chance to go to the movie theater, it's a horror movie or this, you know, this horror adjacent genre. So I think it was interesting that you brought up the Marvel movies. It was like the only other genre to get asses in the seats if it's not a Marvel movie or a comic book movie is horror. So that seems to be why these exist. And if that is the case, then yes, like let's get even more filmmakers that are doing exactly this. Because how much originality is really left in the, in the horror script? What else can they do? So we have to get these ones, you know, Jordan Peele is a perfect example, who have metaphor and deeper meanings to them and that the discussion surrounding them has more to do with what he was trying to say than what scared us. And look, It Follows was so on the nose about what it was uh, (laughs) trying to uh, be a metaphor for, but it still worked. It was still an interesting idea. And I think, look, if that's what we have to do, then fine. And Ari Aster's doing something a little different, I think, than Jordan Peele, but it's in the same ballpark. And you're right. Let's let's go with this. If this is all we have left for original content in the theater, yeah, and it's low stakes. You know, you can do a lot in horror with a little bit of money. I mean, uh, Midsommar cost ten million dollars. So did Hereditary. Um, uh, you know, us was a was a pretty large release for the, for a you know for a, 
it was you know well advertised, but it only cost twenty million dollars. I mean, you know, that's like yeah, a week of shooting expensive. on a on a Avengers movie. You know, it's not right. like com- compared to some of the budgets we're talking about here. It's they're 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 very low stakes. So it, that you know inevitably encourages ex- you know experimentation and I mean not even experimentation, just just originality. Like we're so you know if 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 that means you can make a movie that doesn't have a two after its name or, you know, a number after its name, then, um, great. Go for it. And I also think it's going to allow new directors to come on the scene, which, you know, of course you always need new talent to emerge. You know, my fear is, and this was my, my, you know, gripe after hereditary is that, you know, new directors are going to come on. They're going to get, $10 $10 million or they're going to get $5 million or somewhere in between and they say they have a horror script and we're going to get, I don't know, some fucking version of the cannibalistic killers wearing masks that eat you after they, you know, dismember you and attach their body parts to themselves and it's just the same old shit and you know, as long as there's money for the horror genre, there's going to be film students that can come out and say, yeah, I got it. I, I got it. I know how to scare people. I've done this before because I did it with a 16 millimeter Bolex. Yeah. Um, I also think that that um, horror is, is also a little more fickle when it comes to um, th- what you just mentioned. I, you know, we... The, the one trend I will, you'll, you'll notice is, you know, oh, well, this movie with, you know... <laughs> people wearing masks, you know, was really scary. Um, so there were, there were some copycats when it, you know, comes to, you see a little bit of that in, um, in, in us, but I think audiences are just a little bit more, um, are a little more savvy to that. And they aren't quite as, you know, once they're scared by one thing, you know, it's, it's, it's not, I think it, it gets old very quickly. Um, and so you, you have to be a little more original in, in the horror genre, um, to make a name for yourself. Yeah, and that leads to, like, what is what is scaring people in these movies now? I mean, we are desensitized to literally everything at this point. And I know some people just, like, scare more easily or differently than other people, but, you know, that's why we get movies that are, like, let's make a creepy monster or let's, you know, but it just seems like there's not much left to scare people. So are these movies going to start getting marketed differently? Are they going to be, are people going to start using the term disturbing more, which seems to be oddly successful here with Midsommar. Like people seem to be interested in how could this disturb me? Um, You know, or are they going to be a little bit more thought provoking, like a movie like us? And I mean, there's oddly like no, I, I don't understand totally why Jordan Peele managed to be so successful with his two movies. I mean, I like them both. I think they're both good, but like how come Get Out was so commercially successful? Uh, you know, like what was it that drove people to those movies? Is it that they were sp- expected to be scared? Like is that still the driving piece? Well, I, the the metaphor that I thought about with Midsommar was like you are you are getting on a you buy a ticket for a roller coaster you get on it and exp- you're expect you're expecting to be you know twist and turned and you know go upside down um but you're you're instead taken on more of like a like a haunted house type of yeah, um, yeah. ride yeah. you know like it's a, just a totally different experience um so i think i mean i, I cuz the, the reason i i can answer this is cuz i felt the same way i was like i i wanted to be i in some cases i do want the shit scared out of me and and i found i found us disappointing in, in that sense that you know it mm-hmm. wasn't it, it wasn't scary or really disturbing in fact it was um it was i, I felt funny and you know in too some much, ways too much metaphor yeah too and a lot in, in way too much metaphor um and so ultimately but i, I was less disappointed in, in midsommar because i think he used your as i said in my opening i think he used your expectations against you in a way you know and 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 you had to sort of lean in and look closer um because those beats didn't happen as you expected them to yeah and i think people i think people want to be scared and i think that they will be satisfied by um they will be satisfied by by films like this i i don't think that they are 
aren't um, they aren't going to be satisfying. And I think, but it'll it'll be it'll be something that you know they'll have they'll have to expand their horizons a little bit. But the thing is that people like to be. I think people like to be prepared to be scared. If you have your audience on the edge of their seat because they're afraid something's about to happen in your movie that scares them and that's something that scares them never does happen, they're going to leave the movie not thinking about how that movie wasn't scary. They're going to think about how, man, that movie had me on edge. And I think that's effective. That's successful. And Ari Aster does that pretty well, I think. There's not a whole lot of stuff in his movie that scares you, but there are a lot of moments of tension. Um, And I don't think the C plus cinema score has anything to do with people leaving saying that wasn't scary. It's that movie was fucking weird. Like the people next to me during the sex scene, which was fucking weird. were like, is it too saying to each other? Is it too late to go see Spider-Man? And I was like, I'm so glad you assholes hate this movie because you've been obnoxious the whole time. Um, but that's me being a, you know, snob, but look, like I think the effective piece is the tension. It's not necessarily the scream, piss your pants thing that you're scared of. And that's why we go into these movies guarded. We want to feel the tension. That's the sort of exciting emotion. Nobody really likes to be scared if you really think about the truest definition of the emotion. (laughs) Yeah, not in like a real... Well, I mean... I mean, maybe in an escapist type of way when you know it's not real. I guess that's sort of like a, you know... Well, why do people? I, I I do think people I uh, people like to you know jump out of planes and shit. I think that there's is that being scared or is that adrenaline or like I, I well I, I think know. it's the same thing in a lot of ways. Is it so now? This is our philosophical uh, portion of the podcast. Yeah, in the second hour. <laughs> yeah, the second hour we're going to talk about the philosophy of the human emotion at a horror movie. Then we're going to get into the third hour where we talk about the anthropology of northern Sweden cults. Right. Um. Okay. I mean, you got anything else? I mean, I think I, I really think we are in an interesting time with horror movies, and I'm glad we got to talk a little bit about it because it is not a genre that I am particularly interested in, but it seems to be a popular one here on Get Your Film Fix now. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. You know what? We would love to hear from you guys about the top five. We've been we've been thinking about reworking and doing maybe something different or yeah, doing different with the top five. So we'd love to know if you would miss it if we got rid of it or um if you're open to something new um so give us a give, drop us a line at feedback at get your film um and it would also love to hear a question from you guys uh we actually have a quick fix we're gonna we're gonna release soon here um based on a user question a whole you know mini episode based on uh, uh, a listener question so please uh, you know, we really, if they're good, we will, we'll give them some, some consideration. So please feel free to ask us anything about anything we've reviewed or, you know, even a, a movie that we haven't reviewed, maybe a suggestion. Um, we should say too, we also, you know, let us know we've been kind of, Jabe and I have been going back and forth and like, should we get rid of Jeremy completely or like, so this was like a test. So let us know how you felt about that. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately for, for Jeremy, the, the, um, the Blade Runner episode that you and I did by ourselves, which I think is the last time we did a solo episode without him is, was very, very popular. Yeah. Um, so, so it could be Jeremy. Doesn't bode well for him. I mean, the only one without me was Ant-Man and the Wasp. You can't use that as any type of barometer. No, no. <laughs> did it was it they, they didn't like me or they missed me or that movie was terrible? Yeah. Yep. All, All right, right. Well, thank you for listening. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.